0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of the MavPuck Cast with Jason
1: and John.
0: Thanks for tuning in today. So, John, our running sketch here. I've got uh, I've got a wonderful 2013 Cabernet Sauvignon from Kimberly River in California. I have wow. no idea who they are or where they're from, but they make a pretty good cab.
1: Wow, that's a, yeah, that's a very yuppie drink of you to have for, uh, you know, uh, a tough hockey podcast like this. So, uh, way to change it up, though. You know, I was, the, the mixtures with the Coke, uh, <laughs> you know, had kind of become commonplace. So, yes, is it is it fruity, woody? As you know, I'm it, not a wine person, but, yeah, does it it meet all of the, you know, it, it does
0: have a pretty good earthy bouquet.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I figured,
0: guess. you know, we get our first win, I've got to yuppie this up a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I
0: figured pinky up tea wasn't going to do very well for no, us. No,
1: that was not going to do well at all.
0: And I don't know what the heck a crumpet is, so that wasn't uh, going to work.
1: No, no. We're not uh, we're not going to be doing our, you know, Downton Abbey routine here, so no, absolutely not. Yeah. So what do you got today? Now, I have, as you know, I'm a big Clear Pop fan. I have Sprite cherry. Now, what I'm going to tell you is I've had cherry seven up before which is more like a shirley temple it's like a seven up with grenadine in it this is more like the clearly canadian i had a couple weeks ago so it's it's sprite with just kind of like a hint of cherry flavor it's uh it's very good actually so i'm gonna have to add this to my drink rotation so it's not one of those overpowering like fruit pops
0: like a ton of cherry
1: yeah, exactly. Which That's is nice. nice. It's a, it's a just a hint of it with there, so it's kind of it's got a nice. It's got a nice. I'm yeah. I'm. I don't know. It's got. I don't. I don't know. It's got something. I I picked it up at the yeah. I picked it up at the uh, grocery store gas station. So yeah. I, I'm I'm liking it though.
0: It's, I can't say the
1: same thing about my wine. Thankfully, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah that did not overweight. come from that it was not a uh yeah that was not a gas station wine so I'm,
0: I'm, i am a bit of a snob when it comes to my drinks so all right so let's get to the important stuff what people are actually here since we wasted like 10 minutes of their time talking That's about right, drinks
1: yeah.
0: recap miami ohio comes here to baxter arena right they get a win on friday, friday and UNO bounces back admirably on Saturday with a six three win, absolutely.
1: And you're you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how they're going to do after the loss on Friday. You're thinking psychologically, is it just going to start to be, you know, too big of a, a burden to bear for the team? Are is it? Are they going to have a tough time? And good things happen to them on Saturday night.
0: A good second period happened to them. Definitely a night. good
1: second period. And you know what? They took advantage of the opportunities that they had. That five minute major, they put the puck in the net during that. And three that, times, yeah. That was the difference in the game, and that was big. And you could tell. You could just tell by the body language of the team, they were they were excited.
0: Yeah, I remember when we were walking in, uh, you and Bridget were sitting there, you know, we walk right that's right. right behind you. Yep. And Bridget looked at me and it's kind of like, "How's this gonna go?" I'm like, "I ain't give us a shot in hell of making." I'm like, "There's no way we're winning this game." After Friday, I just thought, "There's," I know I predicted a split last week, but I right. thought the split was gonna come win on Friday, lose on Saturday. I didn't think we could win on Friday. I right, the, there Saturday. were a lot of
1: people who thought that if we were gonna win, it would happen Friday. Right,
0: yeah. So, but the guys, you know, they put in a valiant effort. Like it was, it was despite losing on Friday I thought they played pretty well
1: they did especially the first period I thought mm-hmm. they played well and they had some good looks at at um the Miami goaltender they shots just didn't go in on Friday but yeah. if a, you know if a couple more had
0: yeah we just we didn't seem to get a couple bounces and right and we were still plagued by the the passing situation still sure I think, hurts us uh I will say that I was really happy to see the lineup card on our drive to the arena. Uh, I told Jolene at the beginning of the season, I said, they need to put Ward with Olsen and Morelli. Yep. I'm like, that is the line that I think going into the season, like that should be our number one line. That's going to be a great line. And we never saw it until this weekend.
1: Exactly. And that Friday goal was kind of a, a nice little kind of tic-tac-toe goal. Yep. It, was a, it was a pretty goal.
0: Yeah. It was a well set up play. Yep. And then Ward gets another nice one on, on Saturday. Saturday.
1: Yep. And at that point you're thinking, man, this guy's taking yeah. taking the team on his shoulders here. This freshman is gonna Oh, and
0: then his assist to Morelli, yeah I mean, to take that extra step from around the goal was the difference maker in that play. Absolutely. To put I mean, just a perfect pass to Morelli. I mean oh, yeah. it was it, that was a good play. He Ward has has had some of his best play, I think, the last the last couple of games, even the series yep. in Arizona.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's impressive to see that's what this team needs. And I don't I, I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, but I think that the success or failure of the team this year is gonna come at how good the freshmen become, how they evolve as the course of the season goes. I think as the freshmen go, it may be, you know, how the Mavericks go this season. And it's a weird kind of thing to say about freshmen, but you know, after yeah. this week's series, I'm kind of wondering if they if they're able to step up and fill in some of the gaps. Uh, left behind by the players we've lost the last couple seasons.
0: I think you either needed you needed one or two situations this year for for UNO to have a quality season. You either needed a player to step up and take the role of Pope that we had last right. year, where every team comes in saying, how are we going to make sure that he doesn't score? We've got to
1: stop this player. Right, because
0: that opens up play for second, third, fourth liners. Right. Or you have a situation where on any given night, any freshman has a good game where now you're having to come in as an, as an opposing coach and say, who's, who's it going to be tonight? And what do right. we do to make sure that it's no one? Yes. It's hard to do.
1: Absolutely. It's hard to plan for. And especially when you're dealing with players that these teams haven't seen the last, you know, or, two or three seasons,
0: depending on, you know, especially in the out of conference play, we, You know, we talked about out of conference play when we were playing out of the NCHC. Right. But what often gets overlooked is, is that when you're dealing with NCHC teams, you're dealing with kids that you may have been looking at as recruits. Right. So freshmen aren't as much of a surprise.
1: That's true. That's true. I mean, I understand what you're saying there. But
0: now you go, you know, you go out to union and stuff like that. Like these are kids that they probably didn't maybe yeah. didn't look at it at all no. and they're going have, and you got no film on them cuz they're freshmen. No, absolutely, and, yeah. So, yeah, I mean we'll see how it goes. We we do need them to to continue the good play. I yeah. still think that not having Tyler uh changes the team. I I would it'll I would be, expect that he would help kind of propel the freshmen a little bit.
1: It it'll be interesting to see because obviously we saw him you know in the exhibition against uh, the canadian school but it'll be very interesting to see how they do with him against you know real ncaa competition and how he does against that because a number of guys looked good in the exhibition i think he'll be good obviously i don't want to put that kind of pressure on him like he's got to come in and be the guy but he'll add he'll definitely add another dimension with these guys and he'll be another player that could potentially be a goal scorer for us and that would be huge
0: and surprisingly we got our win on saturday without team polkanen that's and that's right i would say the the rumors in the situation that led to him having to leave on friday would garner that he's not going to be back for a while
1: okay so and you and you combine that with you know, Tyler, maybe not being back till Christmas or yeah. later. Yeah.
0: You know, coaches always like to keep, keep the specifics of that pretty close to them. And yeah, I,
1: they like to keep that close to the vest for sure. It would It would
0: ni- it'd be nice as fans to know whether or not we stand a chance of seeing them, but
1: you know what, you know, what's funny about that during the press conference last week, mm-hmm. um, one of the uh, folks uh, from the media that was on hand uh, asked about injuries and basically Gabinette was like a couple guys are injured and then he you know kind of smiled and he got up and left so <laughs> that was the last question so after the one the week before where Thanks, he kind Sherlock. of gave us a little bit of insight uh yeah the coach is not going to be sharing that with us he's probably worried about us talking about that oh he's like i don't want those guys on the math podcast talking about who's injured and who's not so that you know our opponents can you know pull that up online and listen to it so so we'll just have to speculate but uh but Gabnan,
0: if you're listening, at least like tweet us so we know that...
1: Yeah, if, if you want to DM us on Twitter, yeah, we're, yeah. we're down with that. Don't worry. We'd love we to know you at least listen. Yeah, we'd like to know too. So yeah, we won't we won't reveal our sources, man. So yeah, absolutely. But like I said... On...
0: Just let us know if I should be hopeful or not. That's all I need to know because <laughs> that, that tells me quite a bit. <laughs> a... I hope to see Tyler before Christmas or this am is I Jason... looking at more like yeah. a birthday gift?
1: Yeah, Gabs, this is Jason's Christmas wish is to see a... Uh, Tyler Weiss in the lineup, so uh, I'd
0: like to see him next week versus Western Michigan. We're gonna I, need him.
1: I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him too. But I, the, like I said, um, Taylor Ward has been impressive. Chase Primo has been impressive. Travis yeah. Cothenbutel on Saturday night. I impressive. noticed him for the first time. I'm like, absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's
0: right. The kid with the long name.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So go. I'm. I, that was to me the the freshmen were the impressive. Yeah. Factor. Yeah, we just need to keep,
0: keep playing from that. Oh, absolutely. So we said it was a 6-3 win on Saturday. Some debate about that. Many of our followers on Twitter right. and Facebook seem to think it should have been 7-3. to Yes, they do. So John, why you let us know why we think the scoreboard was incorrect in its conclusion? <laughs>
1: Well, the folks think that the uh, scoreboard was incorrect because a Miami player uh, decided, in his infinite wisdom, to with about two minutes left, right, to throw his stick at that beautiful puck in
0: creaming towards an open towards net. net. Yes, since they had pulled their goalie, right? Right. It hadn't gotten to the crease. We're still what, like, we're still probably fourteen feet out. I would say so when it made contact. Yeah. So. And the rule situation on that is, you know, it's really interesting because as we talked about, you know, preparing for the podcast and everything, a lot of the fans have been keen, keyed into the rule and the, the, the verbiage that's used. And did he throw his stick or didn't he throw a stick? Did the, did the stick make contact with the puck when the stick was in his hand or out of his hand? And... I, of course, in my like, okay, I looked at this going, it's clear to me, even from where we sit live, I was like, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that that stick was not in his hand when it made contact with the puck.
1: I didn't think it was in his hand either. Right. The question is, was the puck headed toward the net?
0: And that's what I, that's the part that, that the fans I think are overlooking is, and then what I have heard from. Sources that can't be named, unfortunately, but I feel very confident and reliable in, is that the discussion in the video review booth was not about whether or not he threw his stick. The discussion was whether or not the puck was gonna go into the net if he didn't throw his stick. Right. Now That's tr- my problem with that is so they come out they come out of the review and essentially what they're saying is is that they felt that if he didn't throw his stick, the puck was gonna go wide correct i look at it going okay maybe maybe not when the thing's 14 feet out there's a lot that can happen to that puck when you know you're looking at the end of a third period against college hockey teams there's a lot of junk on that ring there is especially
1: right around the nets yeah the the ice is going to be rough so
0: while it may have been heading towards a post let's say You've got to have a little bit of leniency there to say, you know what? There's a possibility. It could have, there is a a pile of snow or something. A a stiff
1: breeze might've come in from the club seats. Who knows? We, you know, we had curling here
0: at Baxter arena last year. (laughs) I've watched that stone. I know the thing doesn't move in a straight line. Yeah. So there's the possibility.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, uh, UNO's former, uh, uh, director of hockey operations sam spomer right. on twitter who if you don't follow him he's at recovering ops on twitter and uh this season now that he's not in his director of hockey operations role anymore he's been uh kind of breaking down some of the plays and some of the little uh film clips mm-hmm. uh of the team this season on his twitter account And it's really interesting it's kind of something different than you know the rest of us posting uh humorous quips and snarky comments and memes on uh twitter during the game he actually posts uh, some little breakdowns so he was talking about this
0: um, yeah quite a bit of knowledge behind his posts
1: oh absolutely absolutely he does a good job so yeah so it was one of those interesting things uh fans are going to be talking about that one for a while i will say from our perspective it was you know it was it was probably good because we were out of streamers uh to throw from the <laughs> upper deck so yeah another goal we would not have been uh having fun and celebrating uh that one as well but it would have been a great to see an empty net goal there
0: we could have stole some of them from the like three rows in front of us because some of ours didn't make it all the way down to the yeah first yours
1: one. yeah yours uh, you know yeah yours made it to the lower part of the upper deck so yeah, yeah that was a there were a couple of misfires I think, there
0: i think we're done buying our streamers at like the dollar store because they're apparently not wound tight enough
1: Oh, okay. Oh, you got to get the
0: premium. We, we might have to upgrade our uh, streamer.
1: I'm trying to remember. I think Bridget's been getting hers at Walmart, so. Oh, Yeah. I'm not a big Walmart fan. Uh, okay. We'll find somewhere. Okay, well, yeah, you do <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> so, Podcast Dynamics, you and I working fairly well together. What about Team Dynamics?
1: Yeah, let's talk about Team Dynamics.
0: I think the dynamics is what's leading to a lot of our issues. I think that the guys are still struggling to find some chemistry and that's why our passes are off. I think that it was very interesting to hear for, for those that don't know maybe the kind of the the backstory to this Friday after the loss, the rumors are, I guess, I don't know that I've heard anything officially confirmed or anything, or if anyone even would confirm something like this, that's quite possible is that, Coach Gabnett did not go into the locker room after the end of the game. He basically just walked straight by right into the press conference and said, We're just gonna do this. And left the players to their own devices. Yeah. So it's interesting because especially with, you know, the number of freshmen that we have and the number of seniors that we have, you know the vast majority of your team are are the two ends of the spectrums there, right?
1: Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the guys who've been around for this is, these are the four season Mm -hmm. and the brand new guys.
0: Yeah. You know, to, to see that, to let them basically say, look, this is your team. If you want to do this, you're going to need to do this. I'm not, I can't, I'm a coach. Like I can't do this for you. I can't bring you through this. That's the
1: big thing. Gabinette cannot baby these guys. No, you know, he can't, he can't coddle them along. They've, They've gotta they've gotta figure this out for themselves. I mean I I I have the utmost confidence that the coaches are telling them the things that they need to hear. Right. The question is, are they doing the things that they need to be doing? I mean, that's that's the you know, that's kind of the crux of the situation. And you can't force them to do it.
0: No. I mean you can tell them you need to do this. You wanna win, this is how you win. But yeah, it's up, ultimately up, up. it comes down to I can't just make you do it.
1: No, it's ultimately up to them whether they're going to do it or not. And I, you know, like I've said many times, I'm glad I don't have my livelihood in the hands of, you know, teens and early 20 somethings because (laughs) I think I would have even less hair and more gray hair than I do now. So stress. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The stress lines would be even greater around my (laughs) eyes and in my forehead. So yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So uh, yeah, on the
1: sub- yeah, so yeah, I think he was sending a message to the team. You could tell that the players, they're, they they don't show a lot of uh footage online of the post-game presser, but Right. um you could tell that uh when they uh, Taylor Ward was talking, he just he seemed really down. I mean, he he had the only goal on Friday night and you could tell he he wanted to win, you know. Right. But like Gabinette said, there's a lot of things that just haven't been working. It's not just one thing. So
0: Lots to work on. Oh, absolutely. They got their first win. Yes. Hopefully the guys realize, and I'm sure that Gabnet will be preaching this just from our experience with him. I, I fairly confident say he will be, um,
1: one win does not make a season. It does not. You still have a ton of work to do. Exactly. But what it teaches you is take advantage of those opportunities when you have them, because if, if they hadn't had the major penalty, the game might not have gone that way. And, Furthermore, I mean, who knows what could have happened in the third period, but they had, they held it together and they got the victory and that's all you need. And it's, I, hopefully they, they feel just psychologically like the monkey's off their back a little bit.
0: There's plenty to build from. I mean, you came from behind, Yep, you got the win, you were successful in your power play. Yep you know you started to to gel more play more as a team so you keep building upon that the
1: freshmen were key contributors which mm-hmm. is always important with a with a team that's got uh, a lot of newcomers
0: you don't have that stress of when are we going to get our first win now so right
1: yep that that thing is that that question that is off the back, table right? now yep yeah
0: so i think the last bit to talk about as it pertains to the Miami Ohio series was Shaking hands, Shit. <laughs> or maybe more specifically, the lack of the lack shaking of shaking
1: hands. hands. Yeah.
0: So if you were not at the game, or if you shut your uh, feed off prior to the
1: yeah, and I can't remember. I you know they were talking about that last night. I don't know if the NCHC feed chopped off before then or Does not. It cut off. I don't.
0: That's a good point. I don't know if it cuts off when.
1: It depends. They're all different. There are some of the feeds that, you know, they go and they hold on until the, you know, post game press conference starts and they show that. There are others that right when that game is over, right during the Feed middle it. of the handshake, it yeah. chops off. So I haven't gone back to it wasn't up there last night, so I haven't gone back to look. Um, but yes, so so word on Twitter is that um Coach Gabinette. Coach Noel Bernier did not shake the hands. Oh, I can confirm that they did not. Okay, see, I was watching. See, I was the only part I was watching was I was watching when Coach Blasi and Coach Menino were shaking, kind of patting the the UNO players on the back as they right. as they walked off the ice. I did not see the coaches. I was not paying attention at that point in time.
0: I I was watching it at the beginning. Uh-huh. And it was just one of those, you know, you get that feeling like this seems kind of odd. Something about this just doesn't yeah. seem right kind of thing. Seems kind of awkward. Because normally what will happen is is the coaches will kind of move towards center ice, right? Right. As you're going down the line, as you're shaking guys' sure. hands, you progressively get closer and closer to center ice. Right. But that was not the case with Gavnett. They were, I mean, A, Gavnett was the first one through of the coaches. Okay. So he wasn't letting his assistants go first, and then kind of wrapping up the line. He was which, the first which coach you've down. seen
1: happen before. Yeah. So he right. was. So he was out in front.
0: Yeah, and he specifically had. I don't. I couldn't tell. The, I couldn't read the number. And of course, from where we are, I, I have no idea who it was. But right. whichever player that was trying to go last through the line, cabinet okay. was very. I mean, he, I don't know if if he usually goes behind the coaches or something, but Gabnett was was clear that he wanted him to go first. Okay. Maybe nothing to that. I don't know. Maybe that's what kind of started to trigger me out. Like, why does he care? But it was they never started. <laughs> they never moved. Like, they really almost, like, waited for every Miami, Ohio player to come so they to that. They didn't
1: progress through the line. They just kind of stood there while stood the players came to them. To them. Yeah. Okay. Well,
0: so then they shake the hand at the last... Okay. Hockey player to come through from Miami right. How? and no hesitation. That's the thing that got me was there was no like let's stand here and wait and so see. So did they if just they- turn no, and head off? Turned the ice. and went straight to the bench. Wow! And all okay. three of them in unison, like marching off, soldiers. I mean, it was. I just I didn't think to even. He I did didn't... look back. Okay, like he was gonna wave to him or something, and okay. I I did notice that uh, Blase and Menino were still. Congratulating, players. So, okay. it did not look like he made any sort of gesture that they would have, if he did, if they would have seen it even. But they were they were off the ice before oh, the last okay. player goes through Menino.
1: And so now everybody's wondering: was this an intentional snub because of the these circumstances under which Menino left the program? Uh, was that just spring of the? That was just spring, spring. of this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know he took a couple recruits with him, and so now people are wondering: was this, uh you know, was this a a move of gamesmanship by Coach Gabinette against the Miami Red Hawk staff? I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Now, if let's let's say let's say that it was let's say that he was just he was just being bold. He was just like I'm gonna. I show them. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna show shake their them. hand. Yeah. Now, I I will tell you, I you know, having lived 46 years, having it, huh? Preach it. (laughs) Yeah. Having, having lived 46 years, having been self-employed for 23 years, I can tell you both personally and professionally, I've, you know, I've, I've developed an enemies list over the years. You wouldn't think that, but I have. And I can tell you there have been many kind of social settings, not a hockey game, mind you, but social settings, public settings like this, where I've had to kind of bite my tongue and, Put that, you know, painful smile on my face and, you know, shake the hand of somebody who just, you know, irritated the hell out of me. So I probably would have just, since we're in the conference together, I probably would have just gone ahead and been the bigger man and shook the hand of Menino and Blasey. But, you know, I don't know. I Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe under the circumstances, I wouldn't have done that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, the hard part is you don't know exactly what led up to it right i will say from my point of view as a hockey player and, and in right. all the years of me playing hockey i will say sure. that there are guys i know that i'm you know have a, a genuine friendship w- with right that have i would say done you know Dirty plays and stuff like that while we've been on, you know, separate teams or something. Correct. And it's like, I can almost get past it in the course of a game, right? Right. But there's some guys that just I consider just to be, you know, assholes. They just really get
1: understand. Believe me, I completely agree.
0: And like all of a sudden, like I can't get over it. Doesn't matter. Like I just can't get over that on the ice. It's just, and I don't know what it is. It's just
1: in your craw. You're Like, like, yeah.
0: Why is it that if it happens in a rink, I can just like slough it off, you know, brush it off my shoulder, but if it happens outside the rink, suddenly I'm like vindictive and I don't know, a bit of an asshole I myself. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, it's no, a it's a rough game, so it is. It's, it's kind of understandable, but and, yeah, I
0: you know, we talk about the the backstory to that is you know, there's a lot of rumors and and I don't particularly like to, to peddle too much in rumors, but no. there was a article And I have been scouring trying to find it. So if anyone does find it, tweet it to me. But there was an article when the NCHC coaches went down to Florida for a conference. Okay. Uh, All the coaches were down there. This was after Menino left. Menino was down there uh, with Blase. And the way this writer put it, it was not a yelling match between the UNO coaches and Miami coaches. It had escalated beyond that point to the point of like having to break up the two of these, so clearly, that is so interesting. That's like some serious stuff going on.
1: It is because, and and it may be more serious than we think. Because I mean, Mike Gabinette is such a mild mannered guy, right? You know what I'm saying? He is not. I mean, like I can't with somebody like this, like with somebody like Dean Blaze, you could probably picture. You know, you probably figure he's got. You know, like his, uh, you know, his naughty list he's got his you know
0: oh if i watched d-u-n-d yeah yeah he's got a exactly he's got a street you know he's a
1: he's a tough guy but gabinette just seems so just seems so nice he's just that you and know
0: very even keel so kind to clean see him cut like... boy
1: scout guy yeah exactly so it is that's that's very interesting i've i've heard a number of the things you've heard um as well um i guess i would look at the situation and i would say i you know it's uh you know, it's, I think it's better that he's gone. I think it's better for UNO that they moved a, a different direction. Uh, even though that was Menino's choice to leave, I, right. I think overall it was long-term. It was better for UNO that that happened now. You know, I think that that's a, a positive thing. But it'll yeah. be interesting to see if the bad blood continues when the two teams play again later on this season.
0: Yeah, hopefully it's just one of those it's just too soon kind of situations that right. we can work past this maybe in the future.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but, uh...
0: and a lot of this stems from the fact that when Menino was here, uh, he had a lot of responsibility for the recruiting aspects for the, you sure. know, team, yeah. um, which is why understandably a number of players followed Menino to, Miami of Ohio.
1: Right. It's always tough when you're dealing with those um, recruits to know if they're going to stick or if they're not going to stick. Especially when you're dealing with a young coaching staff. Right. I mean, the one thing about Dean Blaze was the guy, whatever his faults may have been, he brought you his Rolodex. And a number of players that we had were, you know, related to people who had played in one way, shape, or form for Dean in the past. So there was yeah. the, a lot of it was – that was more, a lot of – There's kind a lot of like name a,
0: recognition there. Who
1: you know, not what you know. I, I give Menino credit because the guy did go out and get some high-profile recruits. But, I mean, he's relatively new to the game and new to the scene. So that was – it was it was always kind of an interesting thing. And ultimately, I want players who want to come and play for Mike Gabinett and, and really whoever the assistants are because those guys can change, uh, you know, every few years, you know. Right. They, they have ambitions of their own so it's an interesting interesting thing going forward to see how recruiting is in the Manino. next few years yeah. yeah in the next few years that'll cuz
0: we're going to need it i mean if if the team's going to get better if we're going to get back to a situation where we're competing for a shot at you know an an NCAA, uh, ncaa you know playoff berth it's
1: well it's it's you need it's, yeah. top
0: caliber recruits. And-
1: well, and you and I were talking about this this week. I mean, there were people who were contacting me who were like, John, we just don't have the personnel right now. You know, stop saying right. that these guys can compete. They might not be competitive for a, another couple seasons. And I'm just sitting there thinking, well, we gotta, we've got to find a way to be competitive in the next couple months uh, because, you know, it's a five-month season. It's a long grind, and you can't just surrender now. So... It'll be interesting to see what kind of personnel uh, we have coming in, and and how uh, how the Menino factor affects mm-hmm. it, and and everything else. So the
0: snowball down the hill rolls quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I've heard people say that before about teams. You know, we just need a couple years to get back in, and attendance starts to drop, and concessions yeah. start to drop, and you've got a a rink that's you know not losing a lot. Maybe making some money right here and there. Suddenly, you know, losing a lot of money yeah. and I people mean, it can just snowball it can, it can, so it can quickly.
1: Snowball quickly, and then people start pointing fingers, and then morale is hurt among the yep. players, and then some recruits decide to go somewhere. And so it's one of those things you've got to you got to keep the you got to keep the boat find together, way, right? Yeah.
0: So this leads us into kind of the big news in in NCAA hockey world, and and really. Beyond just NCAA hockey, Uh, the changes to recruiting for all sports, particularly the adjustments that are made then for recruiting for NCAA hockey. Right. So, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about what's changed?
1: Okay. There's a, there's a, this is, and this started out as not just being hockey. This was kind of an all sport thing, wanting to change when players are recruited because they're recruiting younger and younger now. And there are a lot of people who think that that creates a problem within the amateur sports world. And I tend to agree, and I think you would tend to agree. And I think a right. lot of the coaches out there, even if they do it, they tend to agree that something needs to be done. Because as long as the rules allow you to kind of fudge a little bit. Everyone's doing it, so you have to do it. Yeah, But you exactly. don't necessarily like it. So, I mean, you know, for example, you know, a player used to be able to initiate contact at any time with a school. And now they have to wait until January 1st of their sophomore year in high school. So there's a little bit of a waiting period there. And and basically what these rules are doing is they're kind of narrowing the window, kind of closing the window a little bit. Um, You know, it used to be that you could make a verbal offer at any time. And so that's why you were getting guys two, three, four seasons out that were verbally committing to schools. Now you have to wait until... August 1st of their junior, junior year before you do that. And so that's been part of the, the process is to kind of make that so that they're a little bit older. I think um, one of the things that they said was, you know, that's, they're going to be like in that kind of 15, 16 year old, maybe even older time for depending on right. when their birth date is. So you've got that going on. And then, so then some of the other stuff, like, you know, the, The, you know, off-campus contact, it used to be June 15th of their sophomore year. Now it's August 1st of their junior year. So they're kind of trying to close that window, wait till guys are a little bit older. Because what was happening in college hockey was the teams would go out and they would get verbal commitments from players. And there was this, what was called a gentleman's agreement where other schools just kind of, you wouldn't know,
0: wouldn't actively recruit a student that's under a verbal contract, right? Verbal that, that was right. The,
1: supposedly the gentleman's agreement. So, what schools were doing was they were going out, they were grabbing as many players as they wanted, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't a player that they thought they would want later on. They were going and getting the player so that their opponents couldn't get, couldn't talk to that player, right. and it was creating problems, I think, not only for. Uh, coaches out there recruiting, I think it was also creating problems for players, you know, making these verbal commitments when the school had no intention of actually signing them to a national letter of intent down the road. So, so
0: what do you think this changes? I mean, what effects can we expect to see from this?
1: Do you think? Well, I mean, I think ultimately there's still going to be a feeding frenzy for recruits. I think maybe the player, and the uh, will be a little bit more mature. You know, obviously you're dealing with teenagers in high school, but I think maybe they will be a little bit more mature when they make um, their decisions and the hockey rules. What, what Josh Fenton, who's the NCHC commissioner is proposing the hockey rules are slightly different. The window's a little bit more open than the other sports because college hockey teams go after Canadian college hockey players and you have to grab them before they commit to major junior hockey, which is basically like, you know, minor league hockey right. as far as a player's eligibility goes. So right. um, Josh Fenton has been part of a committee that's, that's pushing for this. And they say, you know, it's, it, it may not be the, the perfect solution, but at least it, it means that the player's a little bit older and it narrows the amount of time between getting verbal commitments from players and actually, uh, uh, and, and the point when they sign a national letter of intent. And we've, we've kind of seen this with UNO over the years where you get a, a verbal commitment from a guy who's not coming for a couple of seasons and by the time it's you know the time to sign your national letter of intent, the player has you know moved on, or UNOs moved on, to or something else. Multiple teams, yeah, yeah. So as a fan, from a fan perspective, it's kind of hard to follow um, whether some of these recruits, you know, you get kind of high on a recruit and you'll follow them in juniors, and then by the time it rolls around, for whatever reason, they may end up going with another team, or we may end up moving on. So it kind of it narrows that window, so it's a little bit closer to when. They're actually going to be signing with the program.
0: I'm interested to see how this affects like USHL because what has happened in the past is a lot of these kids that would become portfolio cases for schools, where they'd, they'd get a, a verbal offer, they'd hold them, no one else talks to right. them, they end up deciding they're going to go to you know, UNO, but right. UNO goes, hey, um, yeah, we don't need you anymore. Or you're welcome to come, but there's no scholarship. You're welcome right. to come, but if you look at our roster, you're probably not gonna get any playing time. Yeah. And then they elect to go USHL for a year because they can still play USHL and right. maintain eligibility. And that's where you see, particularly some of these schools where they have a large exodus of seniors, or you get uh, sophomores and juniors that decide, you know, they're, they're good yeah. enough for the NHL and make a jump. Um, you know, they'll, they'll kind of pillage the USHL ranks and find some players who sure, you'll have it. been playing, yeah. who are a little bit older, who can come in and make a little bit more of a
1: right guys um, who weren't, uh, who weren't, uh, necessarily attractive to like the NHL. They right. weren't NHL draft picks. They weren't, you know, obvious, you know, guys that, uh, college programs went after when they were, you know, in high school or playing high school Mm -hmm. hockey before juniors. Yeah, they're they're And
0: they're kids you don't have to deal with transfer rules for.
1: They're they're the kind of players that UNO got during the early years of the program, actually. And when you're trying to when you're trying to fill out spots on a on a roster, when you've had players that have departed for whatever reason, those guys uh, actually prove to. So the concern for
0: me, I mean, not that it's necessarily a bad thing, just that it's going to change the landscape is that if fewer of these kids are in a position where they gave a verbal commitment and there's no longer a spot available to them at the university that they committed to, you know, what is that? Does it change anything? Cause it, quite possibly, it may not change. It may not that much. You're right. But, it may
1: not change a lot, but it definitely, I think just it's, and cause it's, they didn't
0: put a quota on anything. That was the one thing that no. kind of surprised me is, is when I was reading through it is there's no quota on the number of, verbal commitments. It's just, we're changing the date at which you can do it. So yeah, you're relying on the student to be a little bit smarter about what they're doing and and be able, be capable of knowing a little bit more about the university that they're verbally committing to. But we really haven't solved the issue of, I can just stockpile verbal commitments.
1: No. And it, I think it tries to center it around the, the sophomore junior and kind of senior year, all of the the different facets of recruiting. So I guess it it kind of staves off a little bit of the, you know, just going younger and younger with the players, but it may, I mean, it may or may not solve, it may make it easier when you, when you look at the whole gentleman's agreement thing about having a player who, you know, signs or uh, verbally commits in their like sophomore year of high school, and then they don't come for three or four more seasons. You know, it's a, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing. I, overall, maybe it helps. I mean, I don't know, maybe it, There just might be something kind of fundamentally wrong with, you know, going after players so young, just let them play, let them compete at least a little while more before, you know, the, the, you know, feeding frenzy happens and all the, you know, poachers come and try to get them, you know,
0: right. So let's preview here next weekend. UNO heads
1: to Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo I've made I think it's I want to say that again Kalamazoo Kalamazoo yeah I don't know why I want to say that I you know my niece was a was a gymnast at Western Michigan West Western yeah Western Michigan University I'm apparently I can't talk at the end of this podcast but yeah she was a gymnast there and Bridget (laughs) just like to remind you I'm the one drinking yeah exactly I don't I don't know what's in this uh uh cherry sprite but yeah um (laughs) she was I we've made uh Four or five trips uh, to Western Michigan. Mm. Uh, the the kind of one of those old school CCHA yeah. foes that we used to enjoy. The one thing I will say is uh, they had uh, a good stable of forwards on that team this season.
0: Yeah.
1: Is Wade Allison back? And do we know is Wade Allison back in the lineup? I bring that up now, and I'm not altogether. Some Let's a check. couple a couple weeks ago, we were wondering about that, but yeah, yeah,
0: because. We all, I know beginning of the season, we kind of pin like a lot of their season will depend on, on his performance. Uh, he was listed on Friday night.
1: I'll tell you, Andy Murray has done a great job with the Western Michigan program. And and one of the reasons I've been interested in the last few years, um, well, I, I guess I should say a few years ago, uh, former Mav Rob Fakka, who uh, had a, a tenure with Northern Michigan and Western Michigan, um, in college hockey as an assistant uh, going out there recruiting uh, uh, was with that program. And so they're a program that I've, uh, I've always followed closely. And, uh, and so I'll be interested to see how we do when we uh, roll into Kalamazoo this upcoming weekend. I mean, we had a good weekend this weekend, so, yeah. you know, maybe it's time for a little bit of optimism.
0: They're coming off of a loss on Friday, which was Denver pretty much dominating that's right. I watched. I mean, watched, that, forth, I watched some of Denver that game when I, team. yeah.
1: I watched some of that game on NCHC TV when I yeah. got home. Yeah.
0: And then Saturday they lost in overtime, which is a tough okay. one. Um, it's to tough. Swallow. It's so tough to play at Denver. I think they could be. They could be hungry. They could be a little upset right. about you know the performance in Denver. Uh, they
1: want to get back on track in conference play. Yeah.
0: They play a different style. Yep. Something that. In the past, UNO teams have had a little bit of a struggle to to kind of get away from right. the physicality and the close-knit play that, that Western Michigan tries to play to. I worry a little bit, I would say, about our ability to pass the puck, and that's kind of the key to break down Western Michigan. That's one of the right. things that Denver does very, very well Is for as long as I can remember you know, watching Denver. Denver's always been a, a team that's pretty good at
1: puck handling and controlling the puck, puck. in their offensive yeah, zone. And the passing I and mean,
0: passing's always been tape to tape. And yep. um you know, Glasdecke, I, I remember I remember going to a two hour practice and every drill they ran was passing. Like there was not a drill they ran that yeah. was just like go pick up a puck and shoot it or anything like sure. that. Sure. Like, they it was to a T and he was very particular about which guys get paired together on things like that. Like he's really looking for that. So I worry that it, we don't see that from, from the Mavs right now. We don't see that crisp tape to tape passing.
1: What they're, what they're really going to have to do is they're going to have to take advantage of the opportunities that they're, they're given the power play opportunities. They're going to have to stay out of the box. Yeah. That's the biggest one. My five-year-old niece, who's been to like three hockey games, told us after the game that her <laughs> least favorite part of the game was when the Mavs went to the box. So even she knows yeah, that that's, so they've got, they've got to, they've got to not make those mental mistakes. Yep. And the big thing is they've not, they've got to avoid getting rattled during Just points during the game.
0: Play within yourself. Take don't it as it don't worry if yep. you get
1: down a goal. Yeah. You know, you bad bounces back. don't matter. No. Right get over it. So it'll be very interesting to see. Yeah, Western's not the, some of the juggernauts that we've seen over the years as a as a program necessarily. Uh they they like you said, they play a very specific style of hockey. Mm-hmm. But they've got some really good forwards on that team. And yeah. so that's if those guys uh
0: They're good at what they do, that's
1: for sure. That's that's right. So if they're able to put pucks in net, it it could be a tough weekend, but uh I'm I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah. So, predictions. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Uh, I can't remember who started last I time.
1: can't remember who started last time either let's go I'll be opti- I'll be optimistic I'll Good, go for Friday because I
0: didn't like last week when I had to be the optimistic one so
1: I'll uh well I mean it worked for us we got a split I know. so maybe <laughs> now we're, we're rethinking Don't our tell my superstitious here. daughter
0: about that one um
1: yeah so I will I'm, I'm gonna go with a split I'm gonna say that UNO wins Friday night I'm gonna say that uh the the good vibes coming off of the victory Saturday night against Miami are going to carry over. And we're going to see a team that uh, plays uh, with a lot of hustle. And we're going to see a team that puts a lot of pucks on net. And we're going to see a team that has a little bit of puck luck and wins the game on Friday. Ultimately I I'm predicting they'll lose Saturday, but a split would be perfect at this point. Interesting.
0: I let's hear as much as I want
1: a sweep. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay.
0: I, I'm not, I can't do it. <laughs> I, I still go back to, people are always like, you're so negative. I'm like, I know, but I just don't see I'll it. I'll tell you what,
1: if they sweep this weekend, then you'll know <sighs> that it was just some weird kind of mental head it's, case thing going the,
0: on. The problem is, is it possible? Like, it's possible. I look at it going, if 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 we get the puck bounces that we need, if, if we get some luck, if the guys skate the way that they skated on Saturday. Right. They can beat Western Michigan. I think it's possible. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No, because I've watched every game this season and gone, oh. So, unfortunately, the way I see it going, I think we lose on Friday. Okay. I think we come out flying. I I hope that we can get a lead, and it's going to come down to whether or not we can maintain the lead. And I go back to Union going, oh, they're just going to make some – they're just going to make some mental mistake at the absolute wrong time. And we're going to end up tied. And then it's a, you know, so my hope is a tie on Friday, but I kind of feel like we're going to lose. And I think again, like I thought before, although we managed to squeeze out the win on Saturday, I just see this team kind of trying a little bit too hard when they get behind a little bit, right? Just even in a game. And so I worry that if we lose Friday, away from home that we don't have a very good odds of coming out ahead on Saturday. So
1: it's going to be tough at Western this weekend for sure. I'm going to say,
0: unfortunately we come home with zero wins in Kalamazoo, but I'm hoping that I'm wrong.
1: I'm hoping that you're wrong too, because I got to tell you, it's a lot more fun winning. It's a lot more fun. It's a lot more fun running, you know, the MavPuck puck, Twitter, the MavPuck puck, Facebook, the map puck site and doing this podcast when we win games. So I'm hoping the team will claw their way back up to 500 by the time January 1st rolls around, but we're just going to have to see what happens. So it could
0: be in a really good situation at 500 going into NCHC play.
1: Uh, so. Boy, that would be fantastic. Going into that. That's that's it, it. Anything is possible. So you never know. Well, guys, thanks again for joining us for another episode of the map Puck cast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social channels at mavpuck.com. You can also find links to all of the back episodes of this podcast.
0: And we'll put the links in the description too.
1: That's right. That's great. So in the meantime, Omaha, stay classy.